Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. boxes. We got it here. And now it is so much fun watching Ashley and her parents and her sister like army ants, worker bees, unpacking that thing. And I'm off in the other room playing with the dogs and watching TV and they are killing it. Great job, y'all. I just don't want to put something in the wrong place. You know what I'm saying? We've had that conversation, and I have yielded the floor to my wife's beauty and wisdom, and we're going to get there. It is good to be here. You know what I'm saying? We have friends and family among us that cannot be here this morning. We're going to pray together for them in just a few minutes. And it is good to be in God's house, is it not? This is a good place, a safe place, a beautiful place. You guys, when you sing, you light up my life. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, not like Debbie Boone's song, not that kind of weird light up. I mean, like, you light up my... (laughs) Debbie Boone... I just, I just excluded about three-fourths of the room. No clue. Who's Debbie Boone? <clears throat> Doesn't matter. We went over to Borger last night and ate at, uh, ate at the plaza. Um, had Mexican food over there. Ran into a couple of friends. Uh, Jason and Malia were over there as well. We had a great time and we got to drive over. My in-laws are here, by the way. So Gary and Dana Miller, that's Ashley's mom and dad, and then her sister, Allison. And they used to live in Borger. They, Gary pastored at First Baptist Borger um, a few years ago. And so we went over there and saw their house and their old stomping grounds and ate at the plaza. And Gary and I got to talking about just the Boom and the bust of cities, towns all around us, right? Some of you have been here your whole life and you've watched towns blow up and then decrease, decline. People move in and people move out. People come, people go. Money comes and money goes. Jobs come and jobs go. And from what I understand about Panhandle, there's just kind of been this steady, am I hearing that? Am I feeling that right? It just kind of of stays what it is. And that's not because somebody's an enemy of progress necessarily, although there may be a few of those out there. 
And if you're one of those in this room, let's be friends, right? I'm not here to offend you. But it feels a lot less like that, and it feels a lot more like a faithfulness. What I long to see is a church that is not driven by the ebbs and flows of life, the ups and downs, good things happening, bad things happening. And we don't, we don't pat ourselves on the back when we see God's hand move, and we don't crawl in a hole when we don't see God's hand move. But right down through the middle of that is this red line that is taking us from birth where we were lost in our sin to heaven, to the presence of God, where we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we will be in his presence once again. And we want to be faithful and steady right through all that. Why? Because Second Corinthians, <coughs> that's going to happen several times. And I hope you'll forgive me. Um, I don't know why. It doesn't matter. Right down through right down through the middle of all those ups and downs. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. You with me? Yesterday morning, uh, we, had, we had our men's breakfast and uh, we got to hear the testimony of, of Ronnie. What's Ronnie's last name? Brickman. You guys know Ronnie? You may not. He's quiet soul but man, is he faithful. Ronnie, as you're sharing your story, brother, I mean, my heart is just exploding with, God, I want to be like Ronnie when I grow up. Which may not be likely to happen, but if he allows, I want to be just like you, keeping your eyes on Jesus. And when things went up and down, the boom and the bust, you've lived through it all. Right? God brought you here. And now he gets to tell the story of God's faithfulness. That's what this is all about. That's what every bit of this is all about. And so last week, we started talking about a disciple-making movement and what it would look like to be a church that raised up not just disciples, that we would be a church that didn't just raise up disciple-makers, but we would be a church that raise up disciple-making disciple-makers who make disciples forever and ever, right? Where it just keeps going. This is what we're asking of God. That we would be about his business. And so today, I want to share the first of three parts, what that looks like for us. I shared last week, we want to walk with God we want to reach our world, and we want to invest in a few. That's what it's going to look like for us. And so this morning, let's talk about what it means to walk with God. Will you pray with me as we open up God's word and that God would put breath in my lungs and that this would not be a struggle? Amen? Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, we invite you into this place. We make no assumptions that you came here just because it's a building built for the intent of gathering people. 
But we want you here, God. We need you here. Jesus, come and join us. Fill our hearts with expectation of what your word will proclaim for us. Fill our ears with the goodness of life in the shadow, in the company of our Savior, Jesus. God, fill our minds with an understanding of your word and the wisdom and the truth that flows out of it. God, I pray that you would fill this room with an anticipation that you will be satisfied, your name will be exalted, and that we will leave here better than when we came in. Oh God, we ask for healing, for mercy, for joy. God, we ask for rain. We ask for warmth. We ask for joy. But most of all, God, I ask you that you would step down into the dark places in our lives and you would light up the scary, fearful, lonely, angry, depressed, uncertain places and set us free. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I, uh, I don't know about you, but I love wintertime. I mean, it's weird, I know. Now, I haven't lived in Panhandle in a winter yet, so that could change. But, but I do, I like cold weather. I, li- I like it to be cold, and I don't know, are you guys okay with that? You like the heat, you like, you like warmth, you like sunshine. All right, great. But the ideal day is kind of like it was Thursday, right? Where the sun is out, it's shining, and it's about 52 degrees. That is real nice, right? I, I love that. And so my dogs also love that, by the way. And we have, you know, some of you have seen them, and, and I've shared some stories about them. But we have two great Pyrenees, and one of them, um, one of them is just kind of an old soul. You know, he, I mean, he just doesn't, he doesn't really run or play much. We, we think he's got some pain joints, maybe whatever. But the other one is absolutely nuts. I mean, she's completely bonkers. And we looked out the window yesterday, and we had her tethered up in the backyard. And there's still some dirt out there where they're kind of working, doing some construction stuff. And homegirl is just rolling around, flopping around, running circles, digging. I mean, she's just rolling around, just going nuts. And it made absolutely no sense, right? And we're watching this thing play out. And then she comes in and I think, I think it was, was um, Dana, is it, you called her Pigpen? Like from, oh, Gary. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, she's Pigpen from Charlie Brown, you know, from Peanuts. She's Pigpen, just filthy, right? And, and he uh, is just old man. And then Allison's dog is our little prima donna. She's our little... She's our little ballerina, right? But they all have very different, very unique personalities. And it's sometimes annoying and sometimes fun to watch. Every one of us 
have this different, unique set of life circumstances and we enjoy things that others don't enjoy. We do things that others don't understand. We experience things in life and we compare ourselves to other people and we say, why can't my life be like that person's life? Or why won't God take this affliction away from me? Why do these people have things that we can't have? Every one of, our, every one of us line ourselves up against others. And let me tell you about the fatal flaw in that is that every single other person is looking at somebody else saying, why can't I have what they have? Every single one of us. And we walk through this life with this conflict in our souls where we're always measuring ourselves against other people. And Jesus is over here saying, the only one that matters is me. If you will watch me, follow me, keep your eyes on me, trust me, walk with me, enjoy me, you will experience all the goodness this life has to offer and so much more. That's what a walk with God looks like. That's what the walk with God is supposed to look like. And the walk with God is made, look, I said last week, walking with God, being in a relationship with God is not easy. And sometimes it can be very excruciating, trusting God for the things you don't have or the things you think you need. But the walk with God boils down to a very simple formula. Prayer, God's word, investing in others, and hope. That's what it boils down to. And we're going to walk through some of those this morning, but I just want to share with you that the gift God has given us to have a verbal, nonverbal communication with him is beyond compare to anything else that we can experience on this planet. To be in a relationship with almighty creative God of grace of the universe where he hears you and you hear from him. That is a gift beyond measure for you and me. Ashley's grandfather has said when he was alive and teaching and traveling the world, teaching about prayer, he said, prayer is the intimate communication between the heavenly father and his child. That's it. That's it. And what we do is we get wrapped up on, will God like my prayer? Am I saying the right things? Am I praying the right words? Is my prayer as lovely and white hot with energy as the person next to me? And it's a lie from the enemy. God does not care how you pray. God cares that you pray. And it doesn't matter what you have to say to God. Believe me, your words have very little weight compared to when God hears you calling on his name. He says, I will come near to you. Isaiah 55 says, call on the name of the Lord 
while he may be found. Draw near to him. Come to him while he is near. That is where the power lies. Not in what you pray, but that you choose to pray. And so when a prayer request goes out and somebody says, will you pray for me? And you say, man, we'll be praying for you. And then you don't pray. It doesn't just make you a liar. It makes you an enemy of the power of God. It makes you a barrier to the work of God, to the hand of God. So I'm not telling you, don't say I'm praying for you. I'm challenging you. When you say I'll be praying for you, get on your knees and pray. Don't wait. Do it right then. Let's stop everything else we're doing. Wherever you have to be, wherever I have to be, is not as important as this right here. You pray. So the Montgomery's, who we love, and they're dear friends. And I know you guys are watching at home right now. Emma, we're not just going to pray for you. We are going to pray for you right now. And so as you guys are at home, know that you are loved. Every one of the rest of us, we're going to stand in the gap. Emma has excruciating pain and can't walk. She can't walk right now. And so we're going to stop and pray and ask God to heal her and give them answers and set her free. Will you join me in prayer right now? Let's go. God, we lift up our sweet sister, Emma, to you. And God, we pray that you would wash away the pain. God, that you would set her free. Oh, Jesus, restore the strength and the muscles of her legs. God, give them answers. I pray that the rheumatologists and and anybody else that is involved in diagnosing the pain and the loss of feeling, God, that you would give them answers and wisdom and clarity. And God, that Les and Ashley would be able to lay their precious daughter at your feet and step in, but step aside because they cannot heal her. Only you can. And I pray for peace for them. I pray for rest for them. God, their precious daughter is hurting. And I pray that you ignite in their hearts and their souls a joy, a freedom with you, a fresh wind of faith to trust you. But also, God, that you would give them insight and clarity to know how and where to turn. God, give them your joy. Give them your freedom. Give them your relief. Heal her, God. In the name of Jesus, we ask that. Emma, we love you. In Jesus' name, we pray these. Amen. Now, so I want to ask you, will you continue to pray for Emma this week? We pray for them. We pray for Les and Ashley. Gosh, their hearts are hurting right now. And there's so many others, so many of you. I mean, I know the list is long. When we call on the name of God, there is great power at our disposal, not just because God can do all things, but because he wants us to rest 
under the coolness of that tree to sit at his feet and enjoy fellowship with him, oneness with him, presence with him. We don't just pray because we have to. We pray because we get to. It's not a duty. It's a delight. Intimate communication between the heavenly father and his child. So prayer. Also, God's word, which is rich and powerful and abundant, life-giving, penetrates dividing spirits, helps us to see and understand and know God. David said about God's word, he said, I love your word, and I meditate on it day and night. In fact, in Psalm 119, he said, how can a young man or a young woman keep their way pure? How can I walk with God? How can I understand and know God? By living according to his word. And he goes on in verse 11 to say, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I didn't just memorize scripture. It's more than that. It's taking God's word and hiding it there. Why? You've heard me say this before. So that what comes out when you're squeezed is what's on the inside. God's word in me. So when you're facing trials of many kinds, God's word comes to the surface and you can speak truth and hope and love and joy and know and believe and trust and walk with God even through the storm. It's the way God rigged the system, right? Prayer, God's word. Third, investing in others. Jesus said in Mark 16, go into the world proclaiming the gospel even to the whole creation. You know what that means? It doesn't just mean you go to work and you preach and you tell people the steps to following Jesus. It means your whole life is declaring the goodness and the salvation and the forgiveness and the joy and the hope of Jesus. And when you speak, what comes out is what's on the inside. You're proclaiming the gospel, not just telling John three sixteen to everybody you meet, but your life becomes a reflection. You are an image bearer of the redeeming God. And so when someone says to you, man, I can't get all this done this week, you can speak hope and joy into their lives. They say, you're right. You probably won't get it all done this week. But let me tell you about one who's done it all for me. When someone is hurting so badly and they declare, I don't know that I'm going to make it through this. You can speak life into that friend and say, I, I know why you feel that way. I felt that way too. But God delivered me and he will deliver you. Speaking life into others, investing in others, caring for others, teaching them what it means to follow God, helping them understand what it means to know Jesus more. 
That's what investing in others is all about. And then the fourth way, hope. Putting our hope in God. Romans 12 says, to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and constant in prayer. Do you see how this works? God is telling every one of us, if we will call on him, he will come to us. Jeremiah 29, 12. I will be with you. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. I'm going to be right here. And all the stuff on this earth you're having to walk through and live through, it's all temporary. This will all come to an end, both the good and the bad. The good things you are experiencing in this earth, when you have successes and you make a sale, when your family is living in good times, times of plenty, thank you, Jesus. When your family is walking through difficulty and pain and hardship and loss, when you experience the worst of the disaster this world has to throw at you, and you feel like you're in the eye of the storm, the middle of the storm, and it's all falling apart, thank you, Jesus, because I know you're with me. That's what it means to hope. And it's not temporary to put your hope in Jesus. It's only temporary to be satisfied with the good of this world, of this this earth, and to be devastated by the bad of this earth. That's temporary. Ebb and flow of life. We all experience it. And right through the middle of it is Jesus walking faithfully with you and me, getting us to the throne room of heaven where he will turn to you as a Christian, as a child of God, and say, come into my kingdom. Welcome home. You're here. Let's party. Right? This is what God wants for you and me. So let's talk for a minute about seeking God. If we walk, if we want to walk with God, there are some simple steps that we'll take. First of all, we have to seek Him. Now we know that God seeks us out. We know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That whoever believes in him will not die, will not perish, but will have eternal life. God seeks us. He loves you. He cares for you. And in return, God wants you to seek him, to discover him, to experience him. Psalm 27, 8, David said, my heart says of you, seek my face. My heart, let's go back. There you go. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Why? Because that was the only place David knew where there was safety and hope and joy and love and endurance and kindness David understood that. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Not your 
rescue from my hardship. You see? We're not seeking a way out of our problem. We're seeking the presence of God. When he steps in, it makes all things bearable. Even the worst of it. And maybe you have a bad, hard, difficult, painful story. I do too. And when everything gets stripped away and you feel like you want to lay on the floor and just cry yourself to sleep or whatever you do, Jesus will be there. And he will hold you and he will comfort you and he will fight for you. There was a time not so long ago in my life where as a 39-year-old man, I literally said the words to God, if I don't wake up in the morning, I will be okay with that, God. Maybe some of you have taken it a step further where you have just felt so far at the end of your rope. You didn't just say, if I don't wake up, it'll be okay. You have said, God, take me now. If you don't, I'll do it. God is there with you in the darkness. God stands for you. He fights for you. He wants you to experience his goodness and joy. Not a rescue from the bad stuff, but his presence. Where all the bad stuff is bearable because God is with you and you see him and you know him and you abide in him and you enjoy him and you breathe him in. It's when you turn into God's word, when you're hurting the most, instead of avoiding God's word because you don't think you deserve it or because you don't think you want to hear it, but you turn into God's word, you get on your knees, you do pray to God, not because you're okay, but because you're not okay. And that's where he does some of his finest work. When you're not okay, God steps in and wants to rescue you. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first (coughs) the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not your own, and all the other stuff will be added to you. It's seeking God's face, not seeking a way out. It's seeking God's righteousness, not getting righteous so that you can be with God. It's a lie. Boulder dash, right? The only rescue, the only way out, the only hope is through the person of Jesus not through the lifting of the heavy load. Because God lives in the heavy load as well. Do not doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. You should write that down. You should type that into your phone. You should make it the background on your phone. Do not doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. Because he's in all of it. 
and he's with you and he's gonna see you through. My father-in-law shared a quote with me a little while back just about the power of prayer and seeking God. A guy named Samuel Chadwick, who was an evangelist and preacher, a Methodist, good Methodist. He said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless study, prayerless work, or prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil and mocks at our wisdom centers. But he trembles when we pray. That's good. That's strong as moose meat, right? The enemy trembles when you pray. And that's the only way to live because the enemy wants to tear you down. And your presence, your connection with the heart of God is you saying, not today. You can come after me, you can assault me, you can build your camp around me, but my heart belongs to the Savior. My heart belongs to God and you cannot have my life. My heart belongs to to God. You cannot take my life. You can hurt me. You can crush me. You can tear me down. You can humiliate me, shame me, but you cannot have my life. My heart belongs to God. It ought to be our prayer every morning, every day, starting there. Not only do we seek God in order to walk with him, but we also, once we have found out who he is and where he is and what he's about. Then the call of Jesus is to follow him. To take up your cross, which is a scary, ominous thought, to deny yourself, which is extremely difficult in a world that tells you to satisfy yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Again, not out of duty, but out of delight. The call of of Jesus to follow him, to die to self, and to walk with him is not an act of contrition. You're not just doing a duty to make yourself right with God. It's simply saying, God, my life is not my own. Second Corinthians, your life is not your own. You have been bought with a price. This is not a penalty for believers. You know what it is? It's an invitation to identify with Jesus, to experience him, to step away from this world and step into his life and experience the fullness of being a child of God. This is what it means to follow him. Jesus said in John 10, My sheep, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Would you know, would you know the voice of Jesus in your life? Would you recognize if Jesus was calling you, if God was calling you to do something you didn't want to do for his glory, for his sake? Would you receive it if Jesus said to you, well done, 
you held on to me. And I've taken you one step down the path. It wasn't pretty, but I am good. Would you know his voice? You don't know me well yet, um, but I mean, I have a little bit of a rebellious streak in me. Um, Who are you laughing at? I... I have a tendency to kind of veer off the path a little bit, right? And uh, so in 2005, I found myself in Israel. Um, I mean, I went there on purpose, but (laughs) we went to Israel to do the tour, you know, and and I'm I'm with all the people and we're going from, you know, site to site to site. And and, uh, we're seeing all the beautiful places in the Holy Land. And um, about day two, I realized, and I know there's a lot of history and a lot of really special um, things about the different um, cathedrals or churches there. But when we would go, for example, where uh, to, to Nazareth, where Mary was, it was announced to her that she would give birth to Jesus. So they would take us to the Church of the Annunciation, right? Which is a beautiful place. You've been there, right? I. When we would go those places, I decided I'm not going to go see that. I'm going to walk down to a little coffee shop in town, like the watering hole. Like maybe that's where Jesus was announced to marry. You know, like at a little private, not a big cathedral, but in this private moment. So I would do things like that every stop we would make. And the last day the whole group was going to go to um, the Via Dolorosa, which is the road, you know, where we believe Jesus would have carried his cross out of the city. And it is now a big Arab bazaar. It's, it's a marketplace. And I was not interested in that. So I asked, I I didn't ask permission. I, I told our Israeli guide here's what I'm going to do. Can you help me do this? And he gave me some instructions and I got on a city bus and I rode out of Jerusalem by myself out into the Berean wilderness. So about 10 miles outside of town, it becomes barren wasteland. And I get off the bus and at his recommendation, I bury a credit card in cash in case I get mugged by the locals. (laughs) And then I hiked out into the wilderness by myself. And I had this encounter about Jesus fasting and being alone in the wilderness. And I'm journaling and I'm reading through his encounter with the enemy where he's tempted and hungry and alone. And I spend the day out in the wilderness by myself. (laughs) It was awesome. I do not recommend that if you're (laughs) going to Israel. And about midday, I start to see a pillar, uh, like a a smoke, like a cloud of smoke off in the distance. You know, and I'm thinking, that's cool. I wonder what's burning. Um, And didn't think anything else about it. And while I'm out there, 
you can hear the Bedouin shepherds singing to their sheep. And it's this really haunting, beautiful sound that just echoes through the hills. And I thought, man, those sheep, they know their master's voices. They hear and they follow them to safety and to water and to food. It was a really cool experience. And then I hiked back out, get my cash and credit card from where I buried them. And I get back on a bus and I go back into Jerusalem and I walk in the lobby of the hotel, filthy, hot, sweaty. And one of the guys that was on the tour with us, a friend of mine, he runs up and hugs me, like bear hug. I'm like, dude, I'm fine. And I kind of pull back. And he said, so there was a jailbreak in Jericho, which was about three miles from where I was. That pillar of smoke was the inmates catching the prison on fire and escaping into the hills where I was. They were super excited that I made it home safely. I never doubted. But when you find yourself alone and hungry, you find yourself not sure what is next and you maybe don't even realize you're in harm's way by a choice that you've made, by a series of choices you've made. I can promise you this, that Jesus is there waiting for you, wanting you, calling out your name. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you know if you would recognize that it was Jesus speaking into your life? Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the right or the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way you should go. Now walk in it. That's a good one to memorize also. Will you know his voice when he speaks into you? That's what it means to follow him. That when you hear from God, you go and you act and you be and you do and you enjoy and you breathe him in and you say, Jesus, wherever you go, I will go. That's what it means to follow him. The third step, we seek him, we follow him, and we obey. We choose to obey. And this one is difficult because sometimes obeying God means we have to go directions and do things that aren't comfortable for us. And I would suggest that nothing God will ever ask you to do is less comfortable than Jesus Christ stepping out of the throne room of heaven into this earth and putting his life down for you and me and making the sacrifice on a sinner's cross 
carrying our sin, our shame, our guilt, and dying a criminal's death for us so that we might live. Obedience. Now, I promise you, whatever God asks you to do, not only, not only can you do it, but it's an imperative. It's priority. It's the only decision you can make to trust God, to follow him. Why? Because everything else will be stripped away from you until God makes you right with himself. It's what he does. I don't like it, and I can't even explain it. But God wants to strip everything away from you that gets in the way of you hearing and knowing his voice to follow him and obey him and to live in righteousness and joy and peace and holiness. It's what God's doing in your life. It's what he's about. It's who he is. And so he calls us to obey. Why? Because Jesus said, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And I mean, there it is. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Obedience is not a call for you to do something that makes him happy. Obedience is a call for you to be in a right relationship with him where nothing else matters except him. That's obedience. That's faithfulness. That's the call. That's what it means to walk with him. I'm going to skip through a few other parts here because I'm almost at the end with my voice. Is that okay? <clears throat> but let me, let me share this and leave you with this. The fourth step to walking with God is joy. Is experience all the goodness, not of this life, not of all that God can do for you, not all that God wants to give you. The complete and full satisfaction of a relationship with God that is marked and demonstrated is a joy in the person of Jesus Christ. God, whatever you have for me, I will keep on the path. I will continue to walk. I'll keep going. I'll keep following. I'll keep seeking. I'll keep doing my best to obey you. Why? Because happiness will fail you. But joy is what flows out of a relationship with him. He longs for you. He loves you. He wants you to see and know that your joy is made complete by just being in a right relationship with him. I'm going to share with you the cheat code for joy. You ready? Here's the cheat code for joy. It's forgiveness. 
And it's not just the intake of forgiveness. It's the outflow of forgiveness where you choose with your life to set others free who have done you wrong. Where you say, I forgive you. It's done. Why? Because Jesus Christ looked at your life with all your sin and all your mess. And he said, I forgive you. This is not a biblical argument, but I cannot find anywhere in Scripture where we are commanded to ask God for forgiveness. God gives it freely. You know what I find? I find that God says, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from the unrighteousness. You don't have to ask God for forgiveness. Jesus Christ gave it freely when he died on the cross. He simply wants you to lay your life down and let him step in. And Jesus wants you to lay your life down and let others, even those who have wronged you, be set free because you no longer hold them accountable for the sin, even their sin against you. But you say, I forgive you. I don't want to, but I forgive you. And you know what happens? It's spiritual chemistry. There's an eruption. When that forgiveness is given away, God floods in his joy into your life. Just like it is his joy to pour in forgiveness to you and me and say it's done. Nothing you've ever done will ever keep you from my presence. The cheat code for joy is forgiveness. I know that because it's a free gift. It's not easy, but it's free. This is why Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says it's by grace. You have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. He did it. It was his joy. It was Jesus' joy to die for your sin. Don't get it. It was his joy. He was not happy in the garden the, the morning or the, the evening before his death. He was not happy, but he had joy to lay down himself for you. Not my will, but your will. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. There's so much more here. Um, let me just let me just do this. I just want to brag on a couple of people. You all are incredible and so much fun and bring so much joy to my life. <clears throat> but I just want to brag on 
Brandon, in the men's ministry yesterday, of taking the time to prepare Jason cooking up steaks. So good. Right? But then watching those men circle around and gather in prayer. And I'm standing right next to Mike with my arm around him, and he begins to pray. And my heart just... Well done. You're passing on a legacy of faith. Keep going. To Caitlin, her children's pastor, the hard work she pours in with the kids, investing in the next generation of saying, nobody's going to harm you, not on our watch. Naomi with our students, all the time giving, going, as a pregnant young woman, just working, giving it, loving it, investing Jesus into the life of our students, making a massive difference in the next generation for God's glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well done. I praise them, not because they want it or need it, but because all of us are better when we see God's hand at work in other people. It helps us to be forgivers. It helps us to seek God when we know that we need him way, 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 way more than he needs us. It helps us to follow him because when we follow him, other people's lives get impacted by Jesus in us going out and they see it and they know it. And when we obey, when we obey God, it doesn't just make a difference in our lives here, but it makes a difference in other people's lives for eternity. That's the way God rigged the system. So I'm asking, challenging, praying that we could go there together to be a church that makes disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And this is what we will be about. Fair enough? God, thank you for this morning. As we continue in worship, God, we lay all of this at your feet. Help us, Jesus. Help us to walk in a fresh wind, a fresh fire, a believing faith, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. Help us to walk with you, God. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. As the band comes back up to continue to lead us this morning, I want to make sure you know that in the four corners of this room, there are going to be intercessors, people 
who hear from God, who love you, care about you, and want to speak life into you. They want to pray with you and for you. And they want to encourage you with God's word. Whatever you have brought into this place, and you say, man, I need a hand up. I need God's presence. I need hope. I need to understand what joy is. I want to experience the goodness of God. This is a safe place. Come. Let us pray for you and encourage you. We're so glad you're here. I know I'm glad to be here. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.